the Goblin of Oiyama. In the reign of the Emperor Ikijo, many dreadful stories were current in Kyoto in regard to a demon that lived on Mount Oi. This demon could assume many forms. Sometimes appearing as a human being, he would steal into Kyoto and leave many a home destitute of well-loved sons and daughters. These young men and women he took back to his mountain stronghold, and, sad to say, after making sport of them, he and his goblin companions made a great feast and devoured these poor young people. Even the sacred court was not exempt from these awful happenings, and one day Kimitaka lost his beautiful daughter. She had been snatched away by the goblin king, Shutendoji. When this sad news reached the ears of the emperor, he called his council together and consulted how they might slay this dreadful creature. His ministers informed his majesty that Reiko was a doughty knight and advised that he should be sent with certain companions on this perilous but worthy adventure. Reiko accordingly chose five companions and told them what had been ordained, that they were to set out upon an adventurous journey and slay the king of the goblins, Shuten Doji. He explained that subtlety of action was most essential if they wished for success in their enterprise, and that it would be well to go disguised as mountain priests and to carry their armor and weapons on their backs, carefully concealed in unsuspicious-looking knapsacks. Before starting their journey, two of the knights went to pray at the temple of Hakiman, the god of war, two at the shrine of Quanon, the goddess of mercy, and two at the temple of Gongen. When these knights had prayed for a blessing upon their undertaking, they set out upon their journey and in due time reached the province of Tamba and saw immediately in front of them Mount Oi. The goblin had certainly chosen the most formidable of mountains. Mighty rocks and great dark forests obstructed their path in every direction while almost bottomless chasms appeared when least expected. Just when these brave knights were beginning to feel just a little disheartened, three old men suddenly appeared before them. At first, these newcomers were regarded with suspicion, but later on with the utmost friendliness and thankfulness. These old men were none other than the deities to whom the knights had prayed before setting out upon their journey. The old man presented Reiko with a jar of magical sake called Shimbin Kidokushu, or a cordial for men, but poison for goblins, advising him that he should, by strategy, get Shutendoji to drink it, whereupon he would immediately become paralyzed and prove an easy victim for the final dispatch. No sooner had these three old men given the magical sake and proffered their valuable advice that a miraculous light shone around them, and they vanished into the clouds. Once again, Reiko and his knights, much cheered by what had happened, continued to ascend the mountain. Coming to a stream, they noticed a beautiful woman washing a blood-stained garment in the running water. She was weeping bitterly and wiped away her tears with the long sleeve of her kimono. Upon Reiko asking who she was, she informed him that she was a princess and one of the miserable captives of the Goblin King. When she was told that it was none other than the great Reiko who stood before her, 
and that he and his knights had come to kill the vile creature of that mountain. She was overcome with joy, and finally led the little band to a great palace of black iron, satisfying the sentinels by telling them that her followers were poor mountain priests who sought temporary shelter. After passing through long corridors, Reiko and his knights found themselves in a mighty hall. At one end sat the awful Goblin King. He was of gigantic stature, with bright red skin and a mass of white hair. When Reiko meekly informed them who they were, the Goblin King, concealing his mirth, bade them be seated and join the feast that was about to be set before them. Thereupon he clapped his red hands together, and immediately many beautiful damsels came running in with an abundance of food and drink. And as Reiko watched these women, he knew that they had once lived in happy homes in Kyoto. When the feast was in full progress, Reiko took out the jar of magical sake and politely begged the Goblin King to try it. The monster, without suspicion, drank some of the sake and found it so good that he asked for a second cup. All the goblins partook of the magic wine, and while they were drinking, Reiko and his companions danced. The power of this magical drink soon began to work, and the goblin king became drowsy, until finally he and his fellow goblins fell fast asleep. Then did Reiko and his men spring to their feet, and they rapidly donned their armor and prepared for war. Once more, the three deities appeared before them and said to Reiko, We have tied the hands and feet of the demon fast, so you have nothing to fear. While your knights cut off his limbs, do you cut off his head. Then kill the rest of the Oni, and your work will be done. Then these divine beings suddenly disappeared. Reiko and his knights, with their swords drawn, cautiously approached the sleeping Goblin King. With a mighty sweep, Reiko's weapon came crashing down on the goblin's neck. But no sooner was the head severed than did it shoot up into the air, and smoke and fire poured out from the nostrils, scorching the valiant Reiko. Once more he struck out with his sword, and this time the horrible head fell to the floor and never moved again. It was not long before these brave knights dispatched the demon's followers also. There was a joyful exit from the great iron palace, and Reiko's five knights carried the monster head of the Goblin King, and this grim spectacle was followed by a company of happy maidens released at last from their horrible confinement, and eager to walk once again in the streets of Kyoto. 